Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hello everyone. I hope that you had an amazing week this week. Uh, thank you all for your DMs and responses to last week's episode. Um, I, it truly was a really good one if you haven't been able to listen to it yet uh, about our, if you're dreaming big enough. And today I'm really excited about what I have to bring you because I am not just bringing you anyone today. I am bringing you um, the person that I have fallen deeply in love with. <laughs> uh, David Jones is going to be on the show and we're going to be talking about alchemy and uh, that's really exciting because it is also his birthday today. Um, but the day of recording this message is actually my birthday. So my birthday is on the 18th, his birthday is on the 19th. And um, so I thought it would be fitting to have him uh, on the show on his actual birthday. So um, I'm romantic like that, right? <laughs> um, and you guys should definitely, definitely, definitely go to our Patreon conversation because uh, we talk about how we met and the different processes and how um, manifestation worked in our favor um, through through us knowing ourselves and through our, our alchemical processes um, that we've discovered. So, and I think it's just fun to get to see you guys who have listened to the show quite for quite some time to see uh, the interaction between the person that I manifested in my life and how well matched we are. So that's super cool. Um, but besides that, uh, I'm doing super well. I have requested for my birthday to have eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. So I'm excited about getting some of that tonight. And, um, you know, it seems it's a simple thing is when you become a mother, it's like, I, I just want to be alone <laughs> for my birthday. Um, so we went out of town, uh, went to St. Louis, had, our first mini vacation uh, with a baby, and that was a new experience for me. Um, she was sick the whole time, so that was kind of it kind of, really kind of sucked. It was like this is more, um, you know, this is more trouble than it's worth. And then at the end of the trip, being like, no, it wasn't. That was actually really great. It was nice to be able to see that we can do this, and we can get out of the house, and we can go places. And I hope that means that uh, uh, I'll be able to take her on bigger travels here soon and be able to enjoy those things. So I am thrilled uh, you guys have uh, shown up on the Patreon for my Spirit Guides workshop that's coming up. Uh, so don't forget to sign up uh, for Patreon if you would like to be a part of that. So I can talk to you about some of the experiences that I had and being able to connect with uh, Spirit and being able to have deeper guidance to be able to find out trajectory and easier ways uh, to have, to be able to have guide is just, I believe it makes life so much easier. Um, it doesn't come without you utilizing your own intuition, obviously, but it is so 
I, I would say freeing to be able to open up that channel for assistance. Because uh, who couldn't use a little bit of help, right? So if you want to be able to participate in that workshop, you can go to patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah. And if you are not and you're like, fuck Patreon, um, I will have avail it available for purchase, but it will not nearly be $10. So you have to be a part of the $10 membership in order to be a part of that workshop. Um, I believe, depending on how the workshop goes, will depend on the price, but uh, it will definitely be a lot more than $10. So uh, if you would like to uh, get that, the, I'm get offering more workshops uh, coming up in the, the future seasons. Uh, and yeah, it's just a nice place to be able to connect with you guys and hang out on a deeper level. Um, those of you guys who are still sending Instagram messages, it's so nice to see you there. I'm so sorry if I can't respond um, just purely because of busyness, but I read all of them and I love you. Thank you so much for being able to let me know what the podcast does in your life. And uh, it, it's really enriching for me to be able to know that uh, we're helping people here. Um, so coming up, uh, now I'm 37 and, um, this is, this is, this year feels different. It really does. It feels like, uh, a big transformation and already having such a, a wild 2020, but being able to ever, I'm really big on, um, new starts. And so new year's Eve is always a big holiday for me. And my birthday is because to me, it's like, Oh, this is an opportunity to transform. This is an opportunity to change and shift and better myself in ways um, that I haven't done in the previous year. And there's always this kind of like demarcation of, um, or marker, a pillar of some sort and says, when I started my, this birthday, this is when this thing changed. So it, for me, I utilize birthdays as a, a type of alchemy. And so, um, something I talked about in one of my posts on my personal Instagram is, um, I've been able to manifest all these external things, but I want to manifest some more internal things that happen within me, um, to be able to shift and transform my life. And that, that is with my body. And, uh, while this is deeply uncomfortable for me to put out there, I want this to be a journaling of me, an accountability for me to be able to, uh, lean into my journey as far as transforming myself from the inside out. And so, uh, I'm just making this as a, a mental note for myself that, uh, I would like to really stick with the journey of being able to release uh, old paradigms and narratives and weight that's not serving me anymore and not to shame myself or anybody else who, you know, based on their size or anything like that, this is just something I want to do for myself and how I would like to change and transform. And I thought if I can manifest the house and I can manifest the man and I can manifest the baby, why can't I manifest the body? I should be able to do that too. So this is a new level of exper experimentation for me and being able to see, can I manifest uh, things that are also in, uh, in a more physical or internal physical sense. So that was very vulnerable of me to share. <laughs> so, uh, it does go along with the episode today as we talk about transformation. And I really hope that you are, um, you enjoy this episode of me talking with my partner, uh, about some deeply spiritual things. You'll be able to figure out really quickly why I fell out in love with them. So let's get into this episode. David Jones is a teacher and coach utilizing Jungian alchemy through tale readings, journaling props, cognitive behavioral techniques, and shadow work. He first stumbled upon the concept of alchemy in college, where he encountered the study of hermetics, the concept of as above, so below, relating to the ancient occult tradition encompassing alchemy, astrology, and theosophy. 
Growing up as a charismatic Christian, his ability to cultivate rituals to be possessed and overshadowed by divine influences, he was already interested in the mystical spiritual expansion beyond the normal religious journey. Since then, through the practice of alchemy, he's been able to discover the principles of what he calls magical thinking, which is a reworking and reimagining of what one thinks is possible and believing that there are methods to reduce undesired changes and increase desired transformation. Magical thinking equals anything is possible. He found that commonly... Beliefs of the inner child are most likely to fall prey to bad magical thinking because there is an absence of beliefs in modern day society. More likely to be drawn into fantasies and conspiracy theories or to fall prey to fearful paranoia, keeping one from transforming in the ways that they were trying to attract. But David found that you can also use magical thinking to keep that inner child happy, engaged, and creative to cultivate a life you've always wanted through an alchemic process of experimentation. David's goals are to help other people on their journey to find their path through tarot work and Socratic methods of journaling to dig deep into your inner child shadow work and finding out who you really are. He's also the love of my life. So please welcome David to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely. And today we have Mr. David Jones, who is a tarot card reader and alchemy guru, if you will. <laughs> How you doing, David? Good, good. Awesome. <laughs> you guys who are listening, you may not know that David Jones is actually my fiance. <laughs> so um, we're, I'm interviewing my partner today, which makes this interview a little different than normal, uh, but exciting nonetheless. It's also a um, birthday episode. It is a birthday episode. Uh, today is my actual birthday and tomorrow it will air on your actual birthday. So how does it feel to be turning 34? I remember. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Fine. I stopped caring at 22. Oh, well, <laughs> I think mine stopped at 31. So we're not really <laughs> counting today, but um, lovely that I'm working on my birthday, but I would, Sorry. <laughs> I would love no one other than to spend it with you, sir. Yeah. So, um, Today, we're talking about alchemy. We're talking about transformation, experimentation, uh, and the process of where science and spirit meet. So uh, before we get into that, can you talk a little bit about yourself and what it is that you've gone through that's brought you to this place and this interest in this particular topic? Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think I'm a, I've always taken weird roads, but I was raised in a, a fun my experiences in Christianity weren't terrible. They were pretty mystical. <laughs> it was charismatic. There was uh, words of faith. There was faith healing. There was prophetic gifts and encouraging people to stand in those gifts and cultivate them. And I mean, so I had a pretty good experience with that, especially with like trying to interpret dreams. Um, and then uh, in college, I guess I just had a little bit of a break. My biggest break was that I couldn't quite understand the whole, um, like, I didn't understand how it cut off the spiritual gifts were. So it's like spiritual gifts are good if they're with our group, but other groups, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that kind of wore on me a little bit in a logical sense. I loved my experience. I loved my uh, experimentation. I loved all of that. I just didn't get like why the experimentation was so limited. So in college, I really ran into studying all of the religions. Yeah, I took some classes about that, but a lot of it was like personal. And yeah, I got started getting into 
I guess Kabbalah was a short trip into just straight up esoteric hermetica. And then uh, from that point on, I was using it nonstop. Even when I went back into Orthodox Christianity, I was low key using a lot of this because it helped me navigate a lot of where heaven meets earth stuff. Mm. What does that mean? Where heaven meets earth? Is that uh, the definition of hermetica? A little bit. Yeah. So as, as is above is below. So that's hermetica, but it's also very, it's very Christian too. Like, so even in the, the main prayer, like let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's this, the church is supposed to be this inner, this connection between uh, heaven and earth. It's supposed to be this place where both could exist. It's not most, I mean, like a lot of churches aren't safe places, but they're supposed mm. to be like that. So you're supposed to be developing this place that's like where heaven and earth meet and where people on earth can go and have this experience of both. Mm-hmm. And I was really trying really hard to like make that a reality. Mm-hmm. And I was using a lot of this because, I mean, it was self-evident, true and wise. Um, you just can't really tell people that's what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about uh, your experience is that um, your ability and or freedom to be able to explore the, the mystical beyond um, while you were in that container, um, I, I know personally my experience and, and those who listen to the show know that uh, there was no such thing. You know, you could have the gift of prophecy and you could have the gift of uh, dreams and so on through the, like you said, the container, if, if it's within our group, but God forbid you play with a card. <laughs> and yeah. so um, my, my, my grandmother used to uh, mess with playing cards and do fortune telling and stuff like that. And I didn't find that out until my mom was like, um, you know, your grandmother used to play with those cards the same way you're doing. And, you know, and it was more of a negative connotative thing, but um, I was utilizing these cards and a lot of people utilize a lot of these modalities as, as forms of alchemy in order to figure out how to transform their own lives or get more insight about themselves. Um, so can you first, before we go into how people can use those modalities, um, what is alchemy and why is it important to the transformation of people's lives? So the shortest definition of alchemy I can give is understanding in a artistic, philosophical, and scientific sense the world and the universe you live in, and then using that knowledge to transform yourself and the world you live in. And so that's the most reduced element, but it's it's huge. It's like it's like what is IT? It's a huge, huge part. There are people who do different things, and with like alchemy it has origins on every major continent so Mm -hmm. india developed their own alchemy it's vedic alchemy china developed their own alchemy uh can you talk talk about it can you talk briefly what those types of alchemy are oh sure so i mean they're all going to be very similar and and the same and let me let me go directly into the methodology too i'm going to give the definition of the methodology first it's holding on to just an ambitious belief you know, so all of the alchemists throughout history were grabbing onto something like, I want to create wealth out of like lead. Mm-hmm. I want to live forever, like something ridiculous, but it's what caused them to experiment. So mm-hmm. that first step of like, why are these the rules of the universe? Like, can't we explore the rules better mm-hmm. and get something better? So that's the first step. Second step is observation. Um, I'm changing it now recently uh, to the art of seeing, to seeing a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
of seeing hidden things, playing things, all of it. Uh, people have a lot of blind spots, so reducing those blind spots. And once you're seeing pretty clearly, you can start some really good experiments, which means like, and there's, there's different techniques, there's technologies. Uh, one of the best source of technologies is Buddhism. Like they, they came up with a lot of the really excellent, like this is how we're gonna enhance the mind and body with mindfulness, breathing techniques. Uh, but everyone around the world did the same thing. Uh, there's Taoist breathing techniques for interchanging transformation. There's Vedic techniques and Vedic alchemy is interwoven in every element of all the Vedic stuff. So if you're doing yoga, you're, you've got some of that transformation going on. If you're doing mm -hmm. meditation, all of it, uh, tantric, all of it is all interwoven. Mm -hmm. um, and then Western alchemy, which is the part where I want to invoke a little bit more for really important reasons, mm -hmm. mainly because they had such an interwoven and in practicing with science and spirit in both hands that they were able to make progress. Even if they didn't achieve their goals, the work they did is useful to us today. It's mm -hmm. useful to chemists. Like it was, they actually produced some amazing stuff. And then uh, the reason we're into it and it's the big buzz I feel like it's going to grow into a big buzz thing is because Carl Jung was really into it where he was, and it was really the pictures that grabbed him. He was like, because that's one of the things he'd record dreams. He would explore the soul, uh, the shape of the soul. Even as a psychiatrist, he was trying to like incorporate psychology with the fact that there was a soul. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as he would paint and draw what he was getting from his dreams, he was noticing like this alchemy stuff is like, they're on the same page. I'm like, they're exploring the same spaces I'm at. Mm -hmm. And then they started uncovering more Chinese Taoism and those, and they was like, that's, I know that place. Like it's a spirit place. I've been there. And he's mm -hmm. recognizing all this stuff as part of a universal experience. And so that's why the Western one is coming up. But the Western one is also pretty important because it's the most like magic. Like they look at something and they say, I don't care about the rules. I want this thing changed. Mm -hmm. And they had like, they were able to put together a method and methodology to do so, which brings us back to believe boldly, observe, experiment. And then the most important thing that we're going to keep coming back to is recording. Because that's mm -hmm. one thing Carl Jung did. That's one of the things the alchemists did is that they recorded and it fed back, repeat, fed mm -hmm. back into more of their beliefs, refined their observations, then they did better experiments. Mm -hmm. And so it just gives this amazing framework. So that's what we're talking about as far as um, the alchemy and mm -hmm. definition and what I'm talking about as far as practice. But historically, started with Egypt. Mm -hmm. No, it actually didn't okay. start anywhere. They all Wait, developed independently. Go, Egypt, go ahead. Because I would love to hear, um, some people don't know who Carl Jung is and okay. his impact on the, the world, if you will, as far as um, psychology and uh, even like psychology meeting the spirit world. So can you briefly explain who that is and uh, why does he appeal to you so much in your form of alchemies and coaching, et cetera? Okay, all right. It's a great question. So Carl Jung is a Swiss psychologist, uh, psychotherapist, um, so what he was doing was he he start, studied under, um, man, drawing a blank. Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud, right. <laughs> he didn't study under Sigmund Freud. He's kind of an understudy. They, they, they met up at some point and uh, they were both doing the same thing. Uh, Sigmund Freud's 
a whole perspective is very sexual, very material. Like if it doesn't have anything to do with material sex, it doesn't have any meaning as far mm. as Freud was. Carl was part of that. I mean, he had a different upbringing and his beliefs were with him the entire time. But eventually at some point, uh, Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung had a falling out over an interpretation of a dream. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, Carl Jung's like, you have a death wish for me. I mean, I know not. Sigmund <laughs> Freud was like, you have a death wish for me. That's how I'm interpreting because everything's about death or sex. And Carl Jung was like, there's got to be a more robust way of interpreting the human psyche other than sex and death. Mm-hmm. And that's when he broke off and started really exploring like psychology, but with the presence of a soul. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal for me right now, because one of my major whys to, to even the reason I'm getting really motivated about this is because the more uh, neuro-linguistic programming, the more programs you see and stuff like the more man- mind hacking books there are, um, all this mind hacking and treating the body like a machine and the mind like a computer, it's soulless and it's right implication it's not i'm not saying they don't think a soul exists but when i read the book and i'm just like mind hack this mind hack that toxic mind state this i'm not saying it's toxic when i read it i'm like i can't hold this mind state like this is not going to be serving me it's not good for any kind of balance yeah your family's going to suffer if you hold this mind state but all this stuff seems to lack balance and the acknowledgement of a soul Mm-hmm. And that's why Carl Jung's work back in like 1929 and stuff was like groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah, it was. And he he was really he was really able to break down like really almost able him and his friends were almost able to predict World War II because mm-hmm. they were just like there's this psychic energy going on. This is happening. This is happening. And they don't we don't have this. This is how we dealt with this in the past. How is this going to resolve? It just didn't resolve. It blew up into World War II. Yeah. <laughs> and so they saw it coming. Mm-hmm. because they're, I guess they know human behavior so well. Right, right. So that was groundbreaking during that time because particularly everybody looking for a very uh, logical, rational answer. And here was this very esteemed psychologist, psychiatrist, psychotherapist who was like, actually, <laughs> uh, there's an involvement with the spirit as well and how that spirit is involved in the process and progress of our humanity. And so through that ability of being able to connect the dots and connect the two, there was a, I would say a ramping up of ability uh, of transformation. Uh, People being able to experiment a lot deeper with who they were by being able to look into their dreams or utilize tarot cards or uh, other ways in which they're able to reflect into their own archetypes and their human psyches and um, uh, spiritual ways that uh, archetypes pop up in the world across cultures, across all different types of people. And it's like, this is the human psyche. This is uh, how the soul and spirit are trying to transform the human experience. Yeah. So brilliant work that he's done. So guys, if you have if you have no idea who this is, I would definitely uh, check it out. Um, so moving forward, you're talking about um, Egyptian alchemy. Right. And so let's get back to that. Okay. So we're going to go and do a survey of world alchemy real quick because it's, it's important. And also some of the most important missing links about usefulness of alchemy is in there. Mm-hmm. So starting off, the oldest person, the oldest people to do it is Egypt. I mean, they predate, I mean, yeah. almost everyone. Um, we might not think of it because we think of the mummification process as part of their religion, 
but it didn't really start off that way. Like, let's go back to alchemy first. The, the mm-hmm. land in Egypt's called Kim. Like that's what they called the, the earth there. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty sure that alchemy or chemistry comes from Egypt originally, um, just in the word. Mm-hmm. But they were the first ones to really do it. They, they would study salt. They would study this. They would study that. Um, ultimately, the religion came together. And they, I, feel like, I feel like even though their purpose and their intent was to live forever, their whole afterlife and spiritual beliefs blended together to where they were settling on like, let's just preserve the body. But that's part of an alchemist process. I mean, like when you look at the process, you're like, whoa. I mean, like they they were doing surgical procedures and drying out this and that and their process worked and it holds up. And so now you can go to museums and see bodies that have been preserved mm-hmm. for, you know, roughly five, like 4,000, five, like it, it's right. a long time. Yeah. And so that's some really solid chemistry work on their end, mm-hmm. but that's the origin. Mm-hmm. Now, Greece and Hellenistic groups start picking it up because for a while, everything Egyptian was in fashion. But the big thing that they really took was like, man, this, this chemistry stuff is pretty interesting. And also, like, what are the limits? Like, what are like, if we if we really explore and take spirituality seriously and science seriously, we can do some really some stuff that seems magic. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it was because they didn't know how it hadn't done before. It was mm-hmm. magic as they were creating it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Greece has it. And then from there, Middle East has it. And then Western, that's, and that's where we most know it. Some of the best images. I think mm-hmm. there's some like cartoons based off of it, which completely don't do it much justice, but at <laughs> least you've heard it. Yeah. Um, and then, so the biggest one, like I said, I already mentioned Vedic right. alchemy. That one is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, By the and, way, guys, this is what our daughter is named after. <laughs> yeah, Veda. Absolutely. Veda, the transfer, uh, sacred knowledge transformation. Yeah. But uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, Vedic alchemy is really too big for me even to mention. Much like what I'm going to get into with the Chinese alchemy, their alchemy is everywhere. It's in their architecture, it's in all of their practices and in their daily life. The reason it's in their architecture, just like Chinese alchemy, it's feng shui. It's got to do with energy alchemy, mm-hmm. but it's, it's like, it's all in there. And, and we're talking about alchemy, like a, a technology, right? Yeah. And well, yeah. Like a methodology to hold multiple technologies. It's not just one, like right. meditation is a technology, like right. multiple meditations are, uh, is a technology for enhancing and making humans better, mm-hmm. uh, having a better experience on earth uh, and in the spirit. Mm-hmm. But so guys listening, if you're like, to me, alchemy is such an intangible word sometimes, and it's hard to like really pin down, pin it down. Think of it as a technology that aids in transformation. Or a methodology that holds multiple technologies. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. So, right. Vedic, um, we can move on. The, the biggest one is going to be for me, the Chinese based off of the I Ching, yes. uh, the book of changes inner alchemy Taoism. That's the biggest one for me, mainly because it's a clear stream. Like it's Mm -hmm. a clear, I can trace it from its beginning to its end. And much like Vedic alchemy, it's in every element. And at one point was every element of their life. The I Ching, which is the study of changes, made it into the prevailing belief, the yin yang Taoist beliefs. It made it into, it's the main thing that Confucius used 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he basically used uh, alchemy and the study of his ch- of changes of cosmic things to change family, music, art, government, and he was able to transform every element of that with that. And that's how powerful it is. And then feng shui mm-hmm. is a big thing that flies flies directly out of alchemy and um, out of the I Ching. Mm-hmm. Feng shui is the creating the flow of the home, the it, energetic it, flow of the it, home. It is, yeah. It's it's modeling the physical with the heavenly. So mm-hmm. not not having things that blocks energy flow and celestial realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, you can live in a, a basically a cave, and it will change your it'll transform your mind. Neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. it's bad for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we lived in caves for 40,000 years and we stayed in caves because it's not necessarily great. Mm-hmm. But once you're out of cave and then once you can get into homes and once you can model those homes like the image of heaven, then you can move with a lot more creative flow. See, I tell people this all the time because like given my own home, the home that we are uh, recording from today, <laughs> yeah. there is uh, such a, uh, I would say, a magic and being able to organize your home in a way that that suits you, but not just suits you, but suits uh, the form itself. And so when you are able to arrange it in such a way, to me, I become more creative. I'm able to manifest better, um, like to be able to come into my home and feel happy. Like we just redid our entryway. And that sounds like it's not like a part of a spiritual thing, but for me, it was to be able to enter the home in a space and say, ah, this is this, this feels good to me, makes me feel more creative. It makes me uh, decide that I want to um, become better uh, at my work, at my job, at, at my ability to be a parent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very strange how that will shift and change energetically who I am as a uh, material being. Things in the wrong place, um, clutter, can actually drain your energy. Right. So you can just like, it's just like... Uh, you're getting tired faster or when you do get home you're not resting up as fast as you could because of all of these blockages Mm -hmm. for for developing a heavenly home Mm -hmm. i did an interview with someone recently where they were talking about why is your refrigerator cluttered and talking about how eating habits and stuff will your um your health is affected by the way that your cabinets and and kitchen look and i was like shit i ooh. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good example of like, they probably don't know that, but that's, that's alchemy. Like, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, taking it and especially if you're going to like record it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you're going to do the whole process, like I'm seeing something I didn't see before. So Mm -hmm. you're also doing the art of seeing, you already have the ambitious goal of like, I want transformation. One of the best ways for transformation is managing what goes in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then, you know, journaling about what comes out. So let's like, talk about journaling as an alchemic process. Okay. Uh, what is the, like, I always talk to my clients about this and we talk about the, the, the power of the pen, writing things down, um, not just our own manifestations, because we talked that to death. I want to talk deeper about the transformation process of us being able to observe our own thoughts and observe what it is that we are picking up when, as far as the shadow goes, or as far as like, you know, our day-to-day work, like talk to us about that. So First off, again, having thoughts in your head, jumbling around, recycling is an energy drain. And mm-hmm. if you have a creative idea and you're trying to hold on to this creative idea and you haven't put it on paper and then expanded it from there, also an energy drain. 
And that's what I mean. Let me go back and just say like, this is very Tao. This is very like being watching where your energies are going because there's so many actual energy vampires and there are bad things you do with your energy. So getting it out of your head and on paper is a great step to getting it in the real world. As a matter of fact, it's a very transformative method as a, the moment you put it on paper, it has taken a proto form in the real world. Hmm. It's like out of your head now. Mm-hmm. Into the, into the real world in a form and now you can manifest it from the paper which is easier than manifesting it straight from your head mm-hmm. why so, is that easier it's just it's just it's easier for the same reason it's easier to take one step instead of six at a time hmm. yeah. <laughs> like okay. there's not a whole lot of depth there it's just like it's it's better to take one step Mm -hmm. and then flush out your plans by one step you wanted to know why writing helps so just initially helping with the manifestation getting thoughts out of your head into the real world the next step of course is exploring what's Mm -hmm. going on in your head right so there are these inner dialogues that you suppress or that are just not useful And one real important and amazing method, it's kind of like a newer form of alchemy. It's alchemy nonetheless, but it's cognitive behavioral techniques. Used to be called therapy. It is still called therapy. I just don't like the word therapy because it triggers people. Yeah. It's a technology. Cognitive behavioral techniques is a technology. You can put it out on paper and then you can really have a Socratic discussion with yourself about it, like talk it out. Mm -hmm. And you can reframe whole memories, whole ideas, whole structures, and sort it out. Uh, That's the simplest way. Like it has like a 90, 92% success rate. It's more successful than than medication, cognitive Mm. behavioral therapy. It it works. Now, deeper than that, we're talking more about Carl Jung stuff, which is exploring yourself. So I've heard it said that people don't like themselves because they don't know themselves. They don't spend Mm. enough time with themselves. So spending time with yourself, exploring yourself, putting together, of course, it's not going to be a a reality of your mind. Your mind is extremely elusive. It is three-dimensional, four-dimensional, maybe more in potentiality, Mm -hmm. but getting a two-dimensional map of what's going on in your head makes it to where you're going to get less lost in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, The the simplest form, form of journaling also is just I'm going to take a step back and not go deeper yet to exploring the soul and the common consciousness that we all share. I'm going to take a step out real quick and just like writing the results of your experimentation. So if you're working out, you're trying to put on weight, journal with the pencil and the paper, it feels good. It gives you better progress. It just works. Mm -hmm. Food, journal it. You might not want to pay too much attention. You might want to focus more on, on, uh, the spirit of what you're trying, the way you're trying to eat. But every once in a while, it's really good to get in there and be like, what am I looking at? Don't mm-hmm. do it constantly because you drive yourself crazy, but every once in a while, be honest. And it's about honesty. And so if you have that journaling, again, you have a lot of good data, you, you know what's going on, you know what works for you. And you can, again, cycle that into believe boldly, the art of seeing, put that into your experimentations. Mm-hmm. And then you get this framework, progressive. So we're not so um, trying stuff out and getting frustrated and mm-hmm. then trying something over here to the left. And then, because there's going to be 
as there's a lot of trends right now. It's a lot of trends for mindfulness. There's a lot of trends yeah. for uh, meditation. Even there's like a lot mm-hmm. of trends for diet. That's been like that for a while. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of trends for fitness. None of them are going away. Yeah. <laughs> they are just going to get, you're going to be bombarded with more and more options. And so not getting frustrated with the method you're using and making a logical transition into a modified or something adjacent and not just being like, well, this is the most hype. They have mm-hmm. the best commercial on Instagram. I saw, I think <laughs> try it out. <laughs> and so, um, that's how journaling keeps you anchored. <laughs> that's how journaling keeps you anchored. And that's just on a very surface level. That's just like the next step of manifestation. Get out of your head, get it in the real world. And then it's about honesty, being honest with yourself. And then we were talking about going deeper, deeper honesty with yourself. You don't know yourself. You don't like yourself. Get to know yourself. Write down some really honest stuff. When I write down really honest stuff, I typically don't like to keep it in my journal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I rip it out and burn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but at least it's like, at least it's out. I was honest with myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I talked a lot about that in the rot exercise that we do in our manifest them course. Um, I discovered the rot exercise. I feel like I channeled it um, at some point where one of my spirit guides told me, Hey, sit down and write or say out loud all the things that you don't like about yourself. And I'm like, how is this helpful? <laughs> you know? Yeah. How is this helpful? But it's the things the that are spewing, you know, like rolling around in my my consciousness, my subconsciousness, um, that I hadn't let go of or wasn't able to release, thus then manifesting this fester of rot within me that's like eating away at fresh flesh, if you will. It sounds yeah. disgusting, but um, uh, without me being able to to get it out of my body. And so being able to sit down and write it down um, in a very honest way for me was a very alchemical process um, to transform and get rid of what wasn't serving me anymore so I could release it and move forward and and grow uh, and not have that that growth be hindered in any kind of way. Um, How is that the, the journaling process that you speak of different than a typical uh, you know, manifestation, like write down what it is that you want to have and create in your life kind of thing? Um, it's, it's, I don't think it is different. Again, when you look at, um, when you think about alchemy, really, it, it's, it's like, there's a lot of things people doing alchemy accidentally, mm-hmm. right? So there's like, man, you can be doing alchemy in business where you're just like, this is one thing I got a hold of. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And by the time I'm done with it, the value of it is going to be transformed. Um, when cleaning, uh, organize, organizing your house. Like I'm going to do this process and there's going to be a distilling and a, re- a refining of myself as I'm doing it. Right. And so it's like, there's this all accidental alchemies all over the place. There's alchemy in your relationship. There's alchemy in sex to, to bring transformation. Um, and it's these outer skills that refine inner skills. Mm-hmm. But my point is that it's, it's big and you, you are already experimenting with alchemies already. The idea is to have it be more refined and organized. Manifestation is a thing you want organized. You want mm-hmm. to manifest specific things and you do not want to accidentally manifest others. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and so it's, it's this thing where it's kind of just like, I mean, yes, it's, it's good to focus on the thing. Focusing on one thing is a good way to get into it. But we're talking about just like this whole life thing where you're, you've got it, you can almost get your manifestations on autopilot. 
mm-hmm. if you if you're really if you're really organizing yourself and you're journaling regularly mm-hmm. you know what I mean and so you can become way more magnetic and way way easier to manifest stuff mm-hmm. to where it's just like okay well everything now is set up where money is coming in automatically and people are always trying to talk to me and I have to we there's like stuff like it's just I I yes I agree <laughs> so much because I went through that transformation process after I went to Bali and for me that was a, a big transformation uh going into the space uh place and doing all the things <laughs> I tried right. every alchemic process you could think of um maybe not every but I learned um, you know, so much about what that transformation could look like, uh, what was possible, um, what, you know, I I became in in sorts of, uh, someone who was very magical thinking wise and being able to say, you know what, everything is possible. Why shouldn't I have these things? And why shouldn't this be open to me? Uh, once I got to the root of the rot that was sitting and I was able to, to get it outside of myself. So I was able to essentially, um, you know, subsidize a type of technology, if you will, uh, in my life and a type of thinking, a type of perspective that then starts to go, like you said, on autopilot, these things now come to me, this way of thinking now is my, my way of life, the only way that I see things. And so when, uh, for instance, money troubles, like money used to be a huge block for me, and it's still something that I'm working through working towards, but now, I've been able to automate a process internally that doesn't make me fear, um, you know, not making enough money or whatever. Thus, then I end up having this continual cycle of money coming in and I don't ever feel like I'm without anymore right. because I've, I've alchemized that process. I've transformed that process and said, okay, this doesn't work for me. <laughs> I would like to journal out and like really get real about my ideas and perspectives on this particular topic. So this, I can transform this. Thus, then shifting and changing that manifestation of what it is that I want, but also changing the, uh, the transformation of the base foundational, uh, property, if that makes sense. Right. So and changing lead into gold, like the alchemist, old alchemist used to try to right. do, I was right. changing something that wasn't valuable to me into something that was incredibly valuable. Right. And with you, and I do want to point out that this is, this is my stance and I'm mm-hmm. going to make it humbly. But if you're not recording and you're not journaling, then you're not really doing alchemy. You're doing alchemy accidentally. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's interesting about you is that your podcast mm-hmm. serves as a journaling like output for you yeah. to be honest and explore ideas and things like that. And it's basically been this, this mechanism that has really refined your transformation. Mm-hmm. Because think about it, otherwise, even if you do get lucky and you find the right combination of uh, spiritual practices that are for you mm-hmm. and you do them and they work, what's keeping them from turning into habit? Mm-hmm. Like, and then you're just, you're just, you're at that limit. And yes, it's working, but is it working the best it can? Is there something else there? If you're not being honest with yourself, you're not taking in the information and starting this, I, I don't want to call it the, um, the uh, scientific method, but it's, it's scientific method-ish. <laughs> if you're not recording and then taking, repeating, taking that information that you've recorded and that you've journaled about and put it back into your beliefs, trickle it down into like what you can see very clearly, trickle it down into more experiments, then then you, you can hit a ceiling. 
Right. And you and you've got your I've got good habits, but you're not the best habits. Because mm-hmm. that's so kinda... super true. Because I'll go back and look at listen to old podcasts, and I'm like, I don't really think that anymore. Um, not think it anymore, but like there there are elements where it's like I I can refine that, I can improve that. Um, that was the base level of what it is that I was discovering at the time. I see deeper now, and I can experiment with those processes and um, figure out what what works best for me and what as it, from an experiment perspective. Right. Um, so let's get into magical thinking, because like to me, I love the term because it just it just sounds like really fluttery <laughs> magical thinking. Um, but but why is magical thinking so important to the process of how someone is able to transform their world? First define what magical thinking is. Okay. So (laughs) magical thinking is, is this intentionally taking a belief that is beyond what you see in the physical normal world. I think one of the best ways I've put it is, you know, boldly reworking and reimagining what you think is possible. Mm -hmm. And that's important because what you see constantly is the normative. Like you see what's normal. You see like, this is what people typically do. And you see these exceptional people and you're like, well, maybe they got lucky, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, even if you believe, unless you're actually working on this belief as a mechanism, you don't refine it then the normal the normalcy seeps back in and you're just like you're fighting it like so it's actually something that needs to intentionally happen you need to make a decision that like i want to live a longer life i want to have to be able to create wealth and have a really clear vivid um have it vividly realized in your mind Mm-hmm. So much so that it becomes a belief. So we're not just like I, like people who believe religions, they typically like believe them, mm-hmm. you know, because they're flushed out and they're like, and this is like that. I'm willing like to making, die. Right. Making your yeah. possibilities like religiously important mm-hmm. up there. And the reason it's called magical thinking, it's not, you haven't really heard much about it recently. It's kind of, I mean, until recently is because historically, I mean, like, kids were allowed to believe in Santa Claus and fairies and say they want to do this and that. And there's just like, now there's this weight of just media and it, it, no one's telling you you can't believe in Santa Claus. Like telling kids they can't believe in Santa Claus. They just don't feel like they're free to mm. anymore. You know, like it's just, mm-hmm. there's something happening. Like Carl Jung has a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into all of the reasons as to why he thinks it's happening, but it is. Mm. Um, you have to if you're going to believe in like something invisible, it has to be intentional. Hmm. If you're going to believe in something invisible, it has to be intentional. That's a wonderful quote. Um, because I think when, when it comes to our beliefs and the things that we would like to create in the world for ourselves, we are so up against so much stigma or skepticism, cynicism. Um, you know, there's where's the proof that this can be true or happen or, you know, whatever. And this is not to, to me, this is not to encourage um, irrational thinking. Um, however, like we have lost the ability to be able to dream and yeah. beyond and, 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 you know, imagine what's possible for our lives. Um, for myself, I'm a big dreamer. I'm a big, like, 
big visualization this can happen i'm gonna be oprah like like what maybe some people would think is irrational thinking um but (laughs) there there are these elements where we've been in our in our search for truth in our desire to become um more knowledgeable and more efficient um and thus more masculine energetic um we've lost that scenic route of being able to dream of what is, you know, is possible in our lives. Rather, we'll settle for what what we can see. Right. And so the thing that is invisible often ends up taking the back seat because it's not something that we can see is viable. So we end up diverting that energy instead of that really high thing that we want to the thing that looks possible. Right. And so the the idea, I think, of magical thinking, you said equals anything is possible. And we are fighting against that messaging today, right? Right. And it's, I'm not saying that like irrationally. I mean, I'm not trying to like just poof things into existence and I'm not encouraging wishful thinking because obviously I'm talking about work. I'm talking about self-honesty. I'm talking about um, uh, experiments, things that might that take some risk and some cost. Mm-hmm. It costs to, to eat differently and to like try things and like, it's just, it's not cost-free. It's not wishful thinking, but it is a whole lot bolder than to break out of the normative, like, this is what you can get. And, or even just seeing people pose unrealistic and fake things and then mm-hmm. being like, this is how you can get this. And this is the system. These are, these are toxic systems. Sometimes they're utter nonsense. <laughs> so it's so much better to have your belief, decide what they are for yourself, and then build your system. And it's, it serves as an anti-cult measure. It serves as like, cause like you're less likely to be wrapped into some person's version of reality. You know what I mean? If you have one that's yours and it might even be the same, but it's yours, you know, it's yeah. like, it's, there's less, there's less risk there and you have the control. You're not giving the control up to someone mm-hmm. and you decide the risk. You're not giving the risk. Like you're, here's a $10,000, put me in your get rich quick scheme. because that's real yeah that's very real that's very real um well i love that i love that idea you have to be um intentional to believe in something that's invisible um what what is the let's let's talk modalities because like if we're talking about alchemy and transformation what are some modalities that we can utilize in our own lives to aid in that transformation you are someone who practices within and studies the tarot and yeah. helps people transform their lives through um journaling propsocratic methods and so on um can you describe a little bit about how we can utilize modalities for our own transformation in alchemy okay so my method is simple. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to get to the bottom of the iceberg right off the bat or as fast as I can, right? And that's what a lot, a lot of the getting to the psyche and removing blockages and dealing with trauma can be like. They've, they've got these people who are just like, let's deal with this trauma right now. That thing is an iceberg. It's like it's, it's, it's got this huge bottom and this little top that pops up every once in a while that you can see. So my thing is, um, what Carl Jung says is a good starting point is remembering your dreams, writing them down as soon as they're vivid. Like, so, you know, set the alarm, wake up, write down your dreams, and then sort through those dreams in a self-honest kind of way. He also recommends shadow work where you're being really honest with yourself. You're having a negotiation with 
parts of yourself that you would have rather thrown away, that you wanna ignore. And you're reincorporating those parts of yourself. He calls that individuation to where, you know, you are, you are a stronger you now because you are unified and now you can go against mm. the mass, the, the, the current. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, what I do is that because interpreting dreams is tricky and remembering dreams is tricky and, mm-hmm. and also they're not on command, uh, tarot cards work the, very similarly. It's like a dream language. You can lay it out. I can get into the reasons why tarot cards are just amazing. And I don't know why they work. I do have some theories on why they work, but that's a whole night's worth of conversation. <laughs> but um, they're just like these dream images. Mm-hmm. And your, the, your, your ancestors, your inner child, your primal self, your subconscious, they all use dreams to speak with you. They understand that language. And so you can use that as a common language to negotiate, get to know yourself, talk with yourself about that. Like if this happens and this happens, then what next? And how will we respond? And will we have harmony if we respond? Um, and then doing the shadow work through tarot cards. Now there's a the second point, whereas most of uh, the I Ching, for example, back to Chinese alchemy, it you start your if you understand the changes of things and you actually understand it functionally, if you have a hermetic understanding of the hidden things, then you should be able to use that knowledge to anticipate what comes next to some level. Mm. So even though it seems like the divination parts of, of the hermetic and the, the, the divination parts of the I Ching seem unrelated and they're less scientific than the alchemy, they're, they're extremely important because if it can't do any anticipation, <laughs> then it really doesn't understand the way things work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't to break know. that down for some people, because they don't understand hermeneutics or uh, sorry, uh, hermetics versus uh, Dallas. Her- Can you break that part down just so people know? Sure. So um, abbreviated in China, <laughs> in China, they're coming to the same realization that the Egyptian Greek uh, Hermetica came to that things on earth mirror things in heaven mm-hmm. and that there is the space that we can operate where there are things we can control and conversate with heaven. From there, they begin to work out um, feminine, masculine. They explored that completely. Both of them did mm-hmm. like independently from one another. Then next they, they, go into vibrations, both of them do. And then from that, they go into the way that feminine and masculine dance. So it's not duality, it's polarity. Mm-hmm. And so there's this like, okay, I see the spinning, I see the I see the axis and all of this stuff. And they, they all go through that same thing. Now, if they really do understand the, the polarity of the world, what comes around and how it comes back around, they should then, be able to anticipate. Then the system should be able to anticipate what comes next to some extent. And even though it anticipates it, because it's a really complicated system, the hardest part is interpreting it. Mm. But it should, like, despite interpreting it being difficult, it should, to some extent, anticipate. So it's like an experience. It's in it, it itself a very important part of experimentation. If you can't predict, then it's not, then it's like completely made up. 
<laughs> What's really interesting is because like I always say um, for me, I'm not comfortable using tarot cards because tarot cards do have a lot of anticipatory energy in them as far as being able to predict what's supposed to come next. And I love the way you put that because it's not, it's less about fortune telling and about like, I can predict your future rather like having such a, a you know, ingratiated system that you're able to anticipate what's coming next because of what's happened in the past. Right. And so I find that to be, you may have changed my mind a little bit on some things. (laughs) (laughs) You've never said that to me before. Um, And it's also understanding the hidden things. So like, if you do understand what comes around, goes around, you don't even really need the I Ching or the tarot cards to predict what's next. You should be able to like, based off of what I know about the rhythm, based off of what I know about the polarity, I see what's coming next. Like I, I, you can see- Trajectory. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. you, can, you can do the, uh, the math if, mm-hmm. it, if you really do understand those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doing that and practicing in that is a good way of refining it. Like, so like, and, and getting your confidence and like, yeah, like there is something else going on hidden. Like there is, there is a, a rhythm that that science scientific instruments haven't discovered quite yet. Mm-hmm. It might we might be far 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 away from it. You mm-hmm. know, we might be close. I don't know, but the point is that I right at the beginning I already renegotiated and reimagined what I think is possible because mm-hmm. just sitting there telling yourself like this and this and this and this and this and this and this is impossible. Like who, who are you serving doing that? You've made yourself right. safe, but it's a fear move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's interesting about that is that like you said when you made yourself safe it's like that whole thing I say about the ego like your ego wants to be right instead of happy like to create a safe place instead of being putting yourself in a vulnerability spot of being able to open up what's what you can't see so you have to be very intentional about what it is that you think will make you happy um and and being able to produce that I think that the tarot cards oracle cards um, other ways of divination, you know, tea leaf readings and uh, I Ching coin readings and so on are experimentation yeah. with the energy, uh, you know, and creating alchemy to be able to reflect back on yourself in a way that's going to help you transform. And so I have always said that there is no, um, you know, immorality to being able to utilize these tools to, to better yourself in some kind of way. People are scared of cards. Um, I have family scared of cards, utilizing cards and being like, I don't want a card reading because that's messing with the devil. And which, and I'm, I don't mean to say that in a mocking way, but we have this fear around and taboo around getting to know ourselves. And um, I just have, a, I have Alan Watts, the book talking about the taboo of getting to know yourself and that, that fear of being able to look into the shadow makes us feel like we're facing the devil. Yeah. Like where you were, we're looking in, uh, I read or uh, watched a video that said, talked about the death card and tarot and how the death card is essentially the, um, how, what, how does he say it? The new Grani or new great, what's the, um, the, he uses a term, Carl Jung uses a term that essentially means the, the blackness of a soul. Yeah. And so then people talk about the dark night of the soul. When you have this awakening, you end up having this chaos and confusion around this development of yourself because you're like, holy shit, there's this whole other side of myself that I have not been aware of until now. And after having the lightness and the fun of the exploration process of uh, the soul's positive trajectory, you have to go and dig deep into the rot of what's been holding you back. And so I think that like the alchemic process of utilizing cards, tarot, whatever, it deems a deeper reflection of ourselves that 
can feel evil in some ways. <laughs> and I already know like, there's a lot of confidence that comes from like, cause it's really frustrating hoping you know what you're gonna do in a situation. Mm -hmm. and, and, and to some point we are experimenting. So it's not like we ever like, I have a 100% knowledge, but it does, there's a lot of peace that you wouldn't expect that comes from the experimentation of like, I've stress tested this part of myself. I've stressed this, this mm -hmm. part of myself going into this situation. I'm going to expect problems from A, B and C, but I'm gonna do, you know, one, two and three. It's just like, knowing the, all the parts of yourself really are useful. If you don't know the parts of yourself, you go into new situations and be like, I don't know much about the situation, but what's worse is I don't know much about myself. Mm. So how the two are going to clash is going to be, you know, it's, it's just not a great way to be. Um, right. it, it's a reality and you're going to be facing it. Even if you intentionally do the self-experimentation, eventually you're going to run in a situation where it's just like, I know a lot about myself mm -hmm. and I have some predictive knowledge because of the hidden way of things about what's coming. But I, I don't know how that's going to look 100%. So there's still going to be some unknown mm -hmm. and we, we live, live comfortably with unknown that that's fine. You don't want to know everything anyway, but not knowing a not a lot about yourself and not a lot about how the world works is a surefire way to just want to stay in your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. It's just like, I don't know. So, Fear of going beyond, believing exactly. beyond, doing and then, beyond. And if you want to beat that, just the boldness to experiment. Like, well, you know, I have problems talking to these people, try and talk to these people, take the failed experiment, go in like that was a failure let's use it plug it mm -hmm. in and just start the process and, and mm -hmm. if it hurts and the rejection hurts journal it out rejection doesn't kill you failure doesn't kill you record it you start to see the power in the failure and like okay now let's go what are we going to do next and mm -hmm. you can really make a lot of progress past well, if people look at failure more as an experimentation process it's not so personal Right. And you can go, okay, um, this experiment quote unquote failed, but each quote unquote failure ends up being a step stone, stepping stone towards a deeper, better experiment. So in all, for an all intents and purposes, like it, 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 it's, it's functioning in the way it's supposed to, to help you. Right. So you can't actually progress without the failure. The failure is the alchemic process. Right. <laughs> right. And I do want to elevate the missing link as far as making all this useful and really helpful because Western alchemy, it does have the tendency to go blaze forward in an idea. So you can get this magical idea in your head and you can just kind of go too far for the experiment. Mm -hmm. Western alchemy does have the tendency to get like, this does not serve this experiment. This whole thing you're doing doesn't really serve you anymore. The Taoism and the, the, the Eastern alchemy is really good with that because it values nature over artificial results mm. and so there's this balance where it's just like what can i so you can have create a system that works both and just like i need to have balance what gets me balance and then how can i expend energy strategically toward this experimentation and not go off the deep end because it, there is a tendency in Western magic and alchemy to like go straight into the deep end. And people will like, I, I wanted to become a millionaire. First of all, that probably not is, isn't really a good start.
I mean, it is. <laughs> it might be a great start. Like I said, reimagine what's what's possible. Right. But I mean, is that is that really going to help you? <laughs> you know, in your in your balance, like, is that is is that really based off of who who knowing you? Mm-hmm. Is that really the magical thing you want to cling to? Mm-hmm. And it's more uh, about the feeling you're trying to create, right? Most people who are asking for themselves to be millionaires are looking for safety or security in some kind of way. Right. I want to be able to provide. I want to be comfortable in finances and so on. And, and knowing yourself helps with that. Right. And then you know, and then you know, like this is what I need to be comfortable, and this is what I need to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. There's other things are clear way out of the red zone, and they're just like not. They're neither balanced or safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so using, using the, um, using the Western, I mean, the Eastern, and it, it's a big deal. Cause I want to, I want to invoke the energy and the vibe that came from the book, the Celestine prophecy. There's I this, love this book. there's, I mean, they Wait, talk did a you lot. Read, of, you read that book. Cause I sent it yeah, to you. Yeah. Yeah. I read it. It was one of the first thing you, you talked to me about, cause I gave you two books and you gave me that one and I read it in like two days. Yeah. So <laughs> Um, but that one does kind of focus on, um, it does focus on seeing the hidden things, the art of seeing, it does focus on, um, you know, it doesn't really focus on where your energy comes from, but it really focuses on like these tactics people use to energy vampire you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's important, really, really important because, and, and I don't want to say like, I don't, I don't agree with Taoism that it's, you have a limited amount of energy and once your energy is expended, you just dead i do think that energy comes from somewhere as a matter of fact it contradicts itself it's like if you're if you're in the towel you're getting more energy Mm -hmm. the reason that that matters is because you can only expend the amount of energy you have so you have an energy limitation it's not necessarily a limitation of what's possible so you can have anything you just can't have everything there is a there is an energy limitation in the moment and so if someone says, I want to be super rich or something like that, then they can expend energy in that direction to their self-detriment, mm-hmm. like energetically. Right. And um, I do, like, I, that does come to my mind because my ultimate goal is health. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately we're like, well, I don't know about you being able to do this yet. Cause I don't have an easy mindset. That's going to make you a millionaire and a billionaire and be happy. Those mm-hmm. are two opposing things. <laughs> so if you, you get them on Instagram and people are being like, I have freedom, I'm happy. And I have a billion dollars and this is how I did it. I don't have anything like that. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know. Like, it is honest people, honest people don't have that. Um, <laughs> but there are things that are seeping your energy. There is like feng shui issues. There is the way you interact with other people. There's failed boundaries. There is inner. There's there's fighting with yourself. So you lack harmony, and mm-hmm. so you you you're draining energy there. And you can really reclaim and detangle and get all of that energy back. And then Taoism is really intentional on like expend energy, cultivated energy. And it's the way you do it is the I Ching is the changes. So Mm -hmm. as things are changing, you see these, you're watching the changes and you're like, this is the time to expend energy. Mm -hmm. And then you, you're, you're changing in the changes and there's a synergy there. You're not like Western tends to be like, beat it until it's down, like hack it until it's figured out, hit the gym and eat this and this until it works. And even if it doesn't work, try it some more. 
I do want to stay away from that because just as we were talking about it's all a the very hyper masculine energetic that becomes imbalanced. Right. Yes. With the, with the balance, the balance is the thing that is one of the main goals of uh, Eastern alchemy is balance. And it's even because that balance in, itself transforms your life in, in in significant ways. Yes. I mean, and even in Western alchemy, they'll they'll reference the, the balance. Like there is this, there is almost a, a a hermaphroditic form. I don't want to use that word. I'm sorry. There's another way. Male <laughs> and female form that they that they go into great detail explaining, but it's it's this form that you want to reach because the the philosopher's stone they were trying to create is that complete balance and they're saying masculine can't create it feminine can't create it it's this it's this it can blended, only transform through the right world. it's this it's this transformation where like both are in harmony and it's this very harmonious kind of creation and then they go into this you know the one becomes two and two becomes four and then yeah. four becomes one again uh, you know but it all makes sense if you can start with that blended duality as far as like female masculine being polarity perfectly, yeah perfectly symmetrical and so it is a goal of theirs but it's just like it's kind of like elusive like they did they're not really going at it the most common sense way that eastern alchemy goes at just have balance mm -hmm. and then expend energy that's cultivated when it's time and so the most this is the most useful one liner you're going to ever hear out of Eastern alchemy is that you do want to think, right? You do want to think about the past and you do want to think about the future. And that makes it a little bit different than, than Buddhism. You do want to think about the past and think about the future, but you never want to scheme about the future. It is terrible for your energy. Hmm. And you never want to like be anchored and just like rooted, like just energetically rooted in the past. It is energetically terrible and if you can just start that like where you're just you're thinking but and you're thinking about the past thinking about the future but re refusing to scheme you're going to notice more energy you have and now you can use that energy for more observation and you can use that more energy for more experimentation and then you're going to free up more it's to progressive. Have more transformation. Yes, it's progressive too, because then once you've done it once, you can do it again with less energy expenditure. And then mm -hmm. you can do it again with even less energy expenditure. And then you can try something new. It's just like well, when we when we scheme about the future and we put a lot of that energy into what we think is the transformation we're trying to head towards if you will yes um yeah. if we do experience a failure we not only experience the failure but we experience the energy drain yes. and so it keeps us out of being able to manifest transform uh alchemize whatever it is that we were trying to get to in the first place because we were scheming and can you define what scheming for the future is <laughs> it's like know what, if i can <laughs> i would i would i would say like for me it would be um almost becoming obsessive about a result right. and expectation. Right. You know, when it's too much, like, you know, when you're thinking about something and mm -hmm. then, you know, I have to find every little thing. Think of right. this little, like, you know, possum. That's like, you know, I'm trying to get, trying to make this happen or whatever. It has a it's, very particular energy to it. 
It is funny. Yeah. The difference is energy expenditure. Right. I mean, it really, it really is like, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I've dedicated the proper amount of energy to thinking about this. Overthinking it is past this point, but the way to describe thinking and overthinking and scheming also, it all has to do with like, it's really like, it's energetic. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when it's too much, mm-hmm. like you've, you've, you've thought it out. Like, think about something else or relax. <laughs> like, and so, and, and that brings me basically to the point where I'm going to say that even though historically all alchemy is unified in that really ambitious goal, that observation, that tra- uh, the experimentation and the recording, and that's what you're doing. And that's what makes you engaging in alchemy the thing that's the most useful to this day is probably going to be the eastern alchemy inner uh energetic alchemy that's mm-hmm. the thing that really is the most useful to us now there's the second thing that, uh, sorry the thing that's the most the second most useful to us is that our world is overly artificial so in the mm-hmm. alchemic day de- uh debate is artificial better is nature better and then western <laughs> alchemists were just like artificial we can perfect the world and so westerners tried to perfect the world and it just turned into this weird bad you know it's, it's not great the mm-hmm. thing and the skill we need in our world is how do we reduce something to steal something to its most simplest form mm-hmm. and that in and of itself is an alchemic skill where it's just like this is complicated this is honestly contaminated. Mm-hmm. How do we get the good out of this? How do we reduce it down and get it back into a natural usefulness? Mm. <laughs> and, yeah. so that, and so those are the two main skills. So even though I'm talking about alchemy is big and honestly, it's all extremely useful. Um, it's, it's a lot. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I don't know. But, but, but like, beautiful in being able to break down the process of how can you use this in your life to transform, bring the connection between the physical and the spiritual to transform the world around you. Yes. So thank you so much, David, for explaining that to us and being on our show, um, my show. And <laughs> I'm, I'm excited because this is like the first time I'm interviewing you. Um, but guys, you guys get a little insight to how we sit down and talk uh, about all kinds of things. I mean, that's, I mean, to be honest, it's the reason I fell in love with you. Like our first conversation when we sat down to talk was, was like this. <laughs> yeah. And I thought like, oh my God, I have met my match. <laughs> Someone who can, who can speak to things and understand things and, and develop things in ways that I think. And um, I just enjoy that that part of you so much. Um, and I understood your capacity for understanding and energy, even in the way you crafted sentences in our first exchange. I was just like, <laughs> and that and that's alchemy in and of itself. It's just like, even the way she crafted, you crafted the words. I was like, mm. she knows what she's doing <laughs> with with words, with, with energy. And I, I you know, I've, I've done that. I've spoken very intentionally to people, you know, mm-hmm. with uh with a whole lot of skill and they're just like oh no one's ever asked me that that way before thank Mm. you and I'm like you're welcome seemed easy didn't it no I've been (laughs) working on it and thinking about it and trying to work on communication for a long time and Mm. so I already knew I was like this is going to be someone I can communicate with that's 
It's huge. Mm, yeah. Huge. We're going to talk more about that on our Patreon show. So guys, if you are not Patreon members, go to patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah uh, to get more insights uh, to this conversation. But before we go, um, can you please tell everybody where they can find you? You can find me on Instagram with Tara with David and also um, the lovely Leah created a website for me and I just want to give her credit. I, I just want to <laughs> give her credit for it because it is a flawless website, uh, Tara with David.com. Yeah. yeah. Um, David's been in, in enthralled or an enthusiast for such a long time. And I was like, we just need to, to put it out there in the world. So a little bit of nepotism, but I believe you truly, truly deserve it. (laughs) All right, guys. So if you want to hear more from us, uh, we're going to move over to Patreon and have a deeper conversation about how we met, how we're adjusting to parenthood again uh, for you and uh, some, some deeper, funnier, maybe uh, juicier stuff. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like this episode, please send it to someone you love and we will see you in the next one. Bye. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.